Tonight, DC meets the Looney Tunes again. Bill Coulson returns. CBS looks for an Emmy nod for Discovery. And I look at the renaming of a sports arena. All this and more on this edition of Multiverse Tonight. There are many universes out there. Welcome to the one with news about all the others. This is Multiverse Tonight. Now, here's your host, Thomas Townley. Hello and welcome to Multiverse Tonight, where we look at all your geeky universes. Let me introduce myself. My name is Thomas Townley. I'll be your host. My aim is to, well, give you more knowledge about what's up with DC, Marvel, Star Trek, Star Wars, and more. And if there's something you want me to cover specifically, you can let me know on Twitter, Facebook, or YouTube. Now, this isn't my day job, of course. I actually work stocking shelves for one of the biggest retailers in the world. You can probably guess which one. I live in Kansas with my wife and two dogs. You can find me on Facebook at Multiverse Tonight or Twitter at Multiverse Tom. And if you like the show, you can tip me at co-fee.com slash multiverse. And if you contribute from now until July 7th, I'll enter you in the drawing to win a box of random geek prizes. Maybe there's a t-shirt, maybe a Funko Pop, maybe something else just as great. For every dollar, you you get one entry. So enter today. So one dollar, one entry. Five dollars, five entries. A hundred dollars, I'll love you forever. Well, let's start off with some DC Comics news. The DCU and Looney Tunes are crossing over again this summer with four new special issues coming August 29th. Each issue will be 48 pages and feature both a main story told in the DC Universe style and the backup story told in a more of a Looney Tunes style. There's Catwoman and Tweety and Sylvester special number one, with a main story by Gail Simone and Inaki Miranda, a backup story by Shea Fontana and Walter Carzon, and the cover by Manuel Lupiciano. Next, there's Harley Quinn Gossamer special number one, with a main story by Jimmy Palmetti, Amanda Connor, who's also on cover duty, and Pierre Br- Br- Berto, and a backup story by Sholy Fosh and Dave Alvarez. The Joker Daffy Duck special number one, with a main story by Scott Lobdell, Brett Booth, and Norm Repmond, and with a backup story by Joey Calvary and Luciano Vecchio. And finally, there's Lux Luther and Porky Pig special number one, with a main story by Mark Russell, Brad Walker, and Andrew Hennessy. A backup story by Jim Fanning and John Lauder, and a b- cover by Ben Oliver. DC, you're despicable. You know, there's one sentence I've never heard uttered in my life. I want to know Alfred Pennyworth's origin story. Well, apparently someone has, because we will get to see Batman's butler's origin story in the new epic series, Pennyworth, which has received a straight-to-series order from the network. The series from Gotham showrunner Bruno Heller, will have nothing to do with the version of the character played by Sean Pertwee on Gotham, but will chronicle Alfred's time as a Special Forces officer in London 
and beginnings of his work with Bruce Wayne's father, Thomas Wayne. Epic's president, Michael Wright, said in a statement, quote, As genuine fans of these classic DC characters, as well as the incredible talented Bruno Heller and Danny Cannon, we couldn't be more excited to make Epic's the home of this series. We can't wait to work with Bruno and Danny, along with Peter Roth, Susan Rovner, Brett Paul, and the team at Warner Horizon on this fantastic origin story, unquote. So, are you interested in watching this origin story? Do you think that they'll mix in any other DCU characters? We have some good news and some bad news for DC Comics. The good news, they've captured the number one position in April with Action Comics number 1000. The bad news? Marvel still captured the bear market share in both dollars and units. In fact, the dollar market share got an increase of almost 2%. Meanwhile, their unit share increased by almost 4% over March. DC Comics' dollar saw a boost over last month to their dollar share, yet their unit share dropped for April. Let's hope May's numbers are better for the distinguished competition. Saturday Night Live paid tribute to the late great star of Superman, Margot Kidder, with a title card aired during its May 19th episode. Margot Kidder passed away at the age of 69 on May 13th in her sleep at her home in Livingston, Montana. If you'd like to see that card, we'll have it for you in our show notes. How can you have comic book news, DC or Marvel, without mentioning Kevin Smith? Well, you're not going to find out here. Kevin Smith on Twitter said, quote, Just finished this week's episode of the CW Supergirl and have to give major props to at Mishad Brooks. You crushed your monologue scene, sir. Such a beautiful performance. Now I want to do a Guardian-centric episode next season. At Eric T. Carrasco, I have an idea for a wicked story. Hashtag blam. Unquote. So, Kevin would like to do an episode centered around the Guardian for next season. Well, we will have to see if they grant Mr. Smith his wish. I have a good feeling about this. Peter Jackson is rumored to direct an upcoming DC movie project. If he does, what will we get? Kevin Smith has a good hunch. On a recent episode of his Fat Man on Batman podcast with Mark Bernardin, the duo speculated on what would be a perfect film for the Lord of the Rings mastermind to take on. They mulled over New Gods, Justice League, and Justice League Dark before hitting the nail on the head with a suggestion from a fan in the audience. Quote, Kingdom Come? Bleep, yes. Why aren't you running a studio, man? Kingdom Bleep Come. At the hands of the, that guy? Oh, we'd all Kingdom Come, said Kevin Smith, unquote. Let me fill you in on what Kingdom Come is. Kingdom Come was a miniseries from Mark Wade and Alex Ross that was published back in 1996. It featured a much older, retirement-age Justice League coming together to deal with the issues stemming from a generation of irresponsible and attention-seeking kids who had great power but no responsibility. However, Superman's retirement is cut short when the cataclysm impacts the world, snapping him out of his funk and prompting him to bring his old friends together to bring the younger heroes to heal. The series is viewed through the lens of a preacher who has lost his faith along the specter, who needs his help to figure out who is ultimately responsible for this calamity. I would love to see a Kingdom Come movie, but I'd rather be a couple of movies. 
you know, part one ending with Superman's Remembrance and and Return. Part one ending with uh, super being found and the second part dealing with the superhero war sparked by Superman's Return. Stephen Amell, Star of Arrow, the series that started the CW's DCU line of television series, has revealed an important feature for the series' upcoming seventh season. At Motor City Con, Comic Con, he revealed that Oliver Queen's iconic goatee will finally grace his face. However, Amel did caution that the goatee may not be sticking around forever, possibly signaling that that's more of an Easter egg than a lasting redesign to the character. He also made it clear that Green Arrow's Robin Hood hat won't be making an appearance. Quote, I can't promise that I'm going to keep the goatee forever. I can definitely promise that I'm not going to wear the stupid hat. Unquote. Ah, come on, Stephen. If Doctor Who can make Fez's cool, Arrow can make Green Arrow's hat cool. Now, let's take a look at some Marvel news. The juggernaut that is Avengers Infinity War, plows on as the film has now topped $2 billion worldwide. The film, that brought us to a cliffhanger ending, has crossed the $600 million mark domestically. Marvel now has all the monies. Meanwhile, over on the Deadpool 2 box office watch, the domestic total as of June 3rd, 2018, is estimated at $254,652,438. Internationally, it's doing even better, taking back the international box office from Solo. It now has $344 million internationally. Told together, that brings a current worldwide total to just south of $600 million, $598,654,129. Pretty good for 17 days work. Captain Marvel will bring a familiar face back to life in the MCU, Agent Phil Coulson. The origin film, set in the 1990s, will include a younger, more inexperienced Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D., as he gets mixed up with the story that will bring us into the next Avengers film. I wonder if they'll de-age Clark Gregg for the movie. Plus, I guess they'll have to de-age Samuel L. Jackson, too. Can't wait to see a trailer for this one. The film will release March 8th, 2019. If you are looking forward to the X-Men and the Fantastic Four joining the Marvel Cinematic Universe over at Disney, hold on to your horses. Comcast, owner of NBC Universal, is preparing a hostile bid for 21st Century Fox and its holdings. They're looking at top Disney's to top Disney's bid with their own bid, around $60 billion all cash. No comment about such a bid has been forthcoming from Fox or Disney. But if such a bid gets presented, be prepared for Disney to possibly sweeten the pot. And there you have it, folks. The fate of mutants is held in fate by a duel between a mouse and a peacock. Stan Lee has been busy in recent weeks since getting a handle on his Twitter account and suing his former company, POW, for a billion dollars. Let's break it down. Stan Lee filed a lawsuit against POW purveyors of Wonder Entertainment, a media company he co-founded with Gil Champion and Arthur Lieberman, claiming that Champion and POW CEO Shane Duffy were trying to steal and profit from Lee's identity. According to the lawsuit, Duffy and Champion, quote, 
conspired and agreed to broker a sham deal to sell POW to a company in China and fraudulently steal Stanley's identity, name, image, and likeness as part of a nefarious scheme to benefit financially at Lee's expense. Unquote. Stan's lawsuit has a direct response to POW being sold to Kam Singh International, a company based out of Hong Kong that buys and sells intellectual properties to a number of Hollywood studios. Mr. Lee's suit claims that at the time of the sale, he was told that he was given a non-exclusive licensing agreement with POW, but apparently that's not the case. POW, according to Stan Lee, currently has, quote, the exclusive right to use Lee's name, identity, image, and likeness on a worldwide basis in perpetuity, unquote. Something he says is the result of his signature being forged. To put it in simpler terms, Stan was told one thing while POW allegedly did something else. Power Entertainment has responded with their own version of events and a promise to meet the legendary comics creator in court. Quote, The allegations are completely without merit. The notion that Mr. Lee did not knowingly grant POW exclusive rights to his com creative works or his identity is so preposterous that we have to wonder whether Mr. Lee is personally behind this lawsuit. There is no question Mr. Lee, who, along with his daughter, and was and remains a substantial POW shareholder, clearly understood the terms of the agreements he, was, he signed. The evidence, which includes Mr. Lee's subsequent statements and conduct, is overwhelming, and we look forward to presenting it in court." Unquote. To br break that down, they're saying that it's a lie, and they're wondering if Stan is being manipulated into taking this legal action. This lawsuit is in addition to an ongoing legal drama. Lee is also suing Jerry Alvarez, his former business partner, who briefly had his right of attorney, and used Lee's funds to buy a condo valued at $800,000 that Lee says he did not agree to. Alvarez was also involved in Hands of Respect, a for-profit business selling pins with Lee's branding that Lee's daughter JC says they were never compensated for. Hands of Respect is also listed as one of the participating companies behind the recent attempts to sell comic books signed in ink and fused with Stan Lee's blood which was allegedly stolen using falsified documents. Whew. On the good side of things, Stan Lee has praised the current Spider-Man, Tom Holland, saying, quote, I think at Tom Holland 1996 is a great Spider-Man. He's the exact height and age I envisioned when I first wrote Spider-Man. Spidey was never supposed to be large. How is my friend Tom doing? Unquote. Tom Holland replied back on Twitter, quote, Thanks very much, Stan. It all started with you, sir. Looking forward to catching up soon, bud. Unquote. Multiverse Tonight will continue to keep you updated to the continuing details of the man, Stan Lee. Marvel is looking to take a step forward with Eternals, as The Hollywood Reporter is reporting that screenwriters Matthew Furpo and Ryan Furpo best known for their 2017 Blacklist ranking script, Ruin, have signed on to pen a script for the potential movie. The Blacklist is an annual ranking of the best unproduced screenplays in Hollywood. Eternals was created by legendary comic book creator Jack Kirby, who created the new gods for DC and revolves around the titular Eternals, an evolutionary offshoot of humanity created millions of years ago by the cosmic beings, the Celestials. 
They serve as the defenders of Earth against their evil counterparts, the Deviants. The proposed Eternals movie would certainly fit in with Marvel's plans to expand the cosmic side of the MCU post-Avengers 4, as well as Disney boss Bob Iger's recent comments that the studio is developing a new franchise beyond Avengers. Hopefully, the Eternals will get a better shake than the Inhumans got. On the comic book side of things, after almost 25 years out of publication, the Los Angeles-based team of Earth's Mightiest Heroes is finally reassembling for a new generation. Marvel has announced a relaunch of West Coast Avengers, with the new series being written by Kelly Thompson. The team will be led by Hawkeye, the leader of the original team, along with Kate Bishop, the female Hawkeye. Joining them are Quentin Quarry, Kid Omega, Gwenpool, Fuse, Kate's boyfriend, and America Chavez. Unlike the original team, who got their funding from Tony Stark, this new team will receive their funding by starring in the reality TV show, which will certainly be something new for the Avengers. A synopsis has dropped for the next Avengers movie, which is as yet untitled. If you don't want to be spoiled, don't worry. Here it is. A combination of 22 interconnected films, the four, fourth installment of the Avengers saga will draw audience to witness the true turning the, the turning point of this this epic journey. Our beloved heroes will truly understand how fragile this reality is and the sacrifices that must be made to uphold it. Vague, vague is all get out. This description came from the latest issue of Licensee Global. So let the speculation about what it all means commence. Personally, I'm hoping they all get ponies. Come on. You'd love to see Captain America riding a pony. We all would. Marvel is celebrating the end of Dan Slott's decade-long run on Amazing Spider-Man with a special video highlighting his greatest issues and highlighting the big story arcs and events like Big Time, Spider-Island, To the Ends of the Earth, Spider-Verse, and The Superior Spider-Man. Dan's last issue, number 800, is out now. And if you'd like to watch this video, we'll have a link to it in our show notes. Now, let's look at some Star Trek news. At Vulture Fest in New York City, there was a Star Trek Discovery panel titled The Future is Definitely Female, featuring co-showrunner Gretchen J. Berg, along with actresses Sonequa Martin-Green, Michelle Yeoh, Mary Chifu, and Mary Wiseman. Gretchen Day Berg didn't want to give out any spoilers for Discovery's second season, currently in production, but did hint about the direction of the show. Quote, I don't want to spoil, but I think there are clues. It takes too many months to figure out how to do this. Their beautiful performances are crafted, then they are in post. So I'm not going to tell you everything right now. We leave clues? Watch the final episode at the end of the first season as to where we are going. I can promise you that the characters that you fall in love with are going to get you're going to get to know them even better. We got we get much deeper into character exploration this year and we will meet some new folks. We love our group and you're going to learn more about them. Unquote. Berg also reiterated how important it is for careers to fit into the show the show into Trek's established canon. Quote, I love the box that we are in because it can be so overwhelming when you look at the entire universe of Star Trek. But we are also able to focus on 
somewhere in the time on the timeline and we know that this happened before and what and this happened after they say boundaries and restrictions can be good for us it was good it also gave us an opportunity to lay in some easter eggs and we feel very 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 strongly about making sure that we fit in the canon making sure that there are not any loose ends that may be the story that is being told right now but we are going to fit into the timeline a lot of consideration has been put into it unquote. she also acknowledged that the designs on the show have to work with a modern audience saying that a lot of technology has met up with the original series and that they have to make sure, sure it just makes sense now the last time we left the discovery they were meeting up with the USS Enterprise helmed by Captain Pike speaking with Deadline Sonequa Martin Green revealed what's next for Burnham and whether she will get to meet with Spock in season two quote you know Aaron Harberts he said after the finale on After Trek that season two was going to be about that line between science and faith he also said that there's going to be a lot of family dynamic it is the Enterprise in that shot we all know who is on the Enterprise you see Sarek and Burnham look at each other and there you have it unquote now, I don't know if that means we're actually going to see the adult Spock or not, but it sounds like it's being played close to the chest. Although, if I was a betting man, I'd bet more on than not. Also, about a year ago, Nicholas Meyer, director of Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan, revealed he was working on a new Star Trek project separate from Discovery. He didn't offer any details beyond that at the time given rise to the rumors that Meyer was working on a limited series about the villain of Star Trek II Khan Noonien Singh. Meyer has now confirmed that the Star Trek project in question is meant for CBS All Access but has been put on hold until further notice. During a Q&A at the University of, Colorado of California Irvine, Meyer was asked by a member of the audience if he was working on a Star Trek limited series or miniseries as rumored. He specifically referred to the mystery project as being a trilogy, but didn't specify if Khan is a part of it or not. Moreover, Meyer revealed that the current legal battle between CBS and Viacom slash Paramount has left the project in limbo for the time being. Quote, I was hired to write a standalone Star Trek related trilogy, details of which I can't discuss or I'd have to kill you. <laughs> I was writing it for CBS All Access, but at the moment, CBS is at war with Paramount slash Viacom about, about merging. They're in a power struggle, which turned really nasty this past week when CBS decided to sue Viacom. So I don't think my project is going anywhere in a hurry, because everything is on hold until they sort out this merger business. That's my story, and I'm sticking to it. Unquote. So, until the corporate war between Viacom and CBS cools down, we'll just have to wait. I just wouldn't hold my breath. This might take a while. CBS is throwing out Star Trek Discovery's metaphorical hat into the Emmy season ring, sending out a selection of screeners to Academy voters. According to a set that made its way onto eBay, CBS has a show up for nods in Outstanding Drama Series, Outstanding Lead Actress in a Drama Series, Sonequa Martin-Green, Outstanding Supporting Actor in a Drama Series, 
Doug Jones, Jason Isaacs, Anthony Rapp, Shazad Latif, Wilson Cruz, Outstanding Actress in a Drama, Michelle Yeoh, Mary Wiseman, Mary Chifo, Outstanding Writing for a Drama Series, Outstanding Directing for a Drama Series, Star Trek Discovery is also being pushed for several Creative Arts Emmy Awards. These include Outstanding Guest Actor in a Drama Series, James Frain, Rain Wilson, Kenneth Mitchell, Outstanding Guest Actress in a Drama Series, Jane Brooke, Outstanding Prosthetic Makeup for a Series, Limited Series, Movie or Special, Outstanding Fantasy Sci-Fi Costumes, Outstanding Visual Effects, Outstanding Production Design for a Narrative Period or Fantasy Program, Outstanding Main Title Design, Outstanding Music Composition for a Series, Original Dramatic Score, and Outstanding Cinematography for a Single Camera Series, One Hour. The Emmy Awards will not be held until September. Fans won't know if Star Trek Discovery received any nominations until the nominees are revealed on June 12th. As soon as we know, we'll tweet about it. Check us out at Multiverse Tom. The Scott's Trade Center, home of the St. Louis Blues and the WWE when they're in town, has a new name, and it's one Star Trek fans will love. The arena will now be known as Enterprise Center. No, not after the Starship, though, but after Enterprise Holdings, the parent company of Enterprise Rent-A-Car, Alamo, Rent-A- Alamo Rent-A-Car, and National Car Rental. They signed a 15-year agreement for the naming rights with an additional 5-year option. But we Trek fans will now have a place to say, like Mr. Chekhov, and sir, it's the Enterprise! There's not much news from the Orville, but I can tell you that Fox officially announced the Orville for a mid-season premiere. The first episode of the season is set to air on Sunday, December 30th, following an NFL doubleheader. The series will then move to regular time slot on Thursdays in 2019 for its second season. Fox has also confirmed that the second season of the Orville will have a total of 14 episodes. 13 brand new for this season, and one left over from last season to add to the total. I am so looking forward to December. In an Instagram story, which automatically expire after a day, actor Jay Lee, John Lamar, revealed that he was recently scanned and measured for an action figure for the Orville. There is no beneficial announcement on any licensing deals for the Orville, but there was also a hint that there could be figures from the Orville at the Paley Center panel earlier this year. Now some gaming news. Ubisoft is releasing an expansion for its Star Trek Bridge Crew VR game. That brings it into the next generation. Star Trek the next generation, that is. The new expansion for Star Trek Bridge Crew on PlayStation VR and PlayStation 4. The expansion now available to play with or without VR at the price of $14.99. The expansion will also come out for PC on July 21st for, P- for VR players with an HTV Vi- HTC Vibe, Oculus Rift, and Windows Mixed Reality support, and will also feature non-VR playability. Star Trek Bridge Crew The Next Generation will be playable cross-platform across all devices, so get ready to test your combat skills against the cunning Romulan Star Empire and the relentless Borg Collective. Let's finish this show with a little Star Wars news. So, you didn't see The Last Jedi in theaters, you didn't rent digitally, and you didn't pick it up on DVD or Blu-ray. Well, 
now it's your time as the latest Star Wars movie before the current one will now be on Netflix on June 26th. So go watch it already. There's no excuse. Disney Parks has announced that Star Wars Galaxy's Edge will open summer 2019 at California's Disneyland Resort and late fall 2019 at Florida's Walt Disney World Resort. Park goers will be welcomed through the never-before-seen planet Batu, described as a remote outpost on the galaxy's edge. Batu was once a busy crossroads along the old sub-light-speed trade routes until its prominence was bypassed by the rise of hyperspace travel. Now home to galactic travelers who prefer to stay out of the mainstream, Batu has become a thriving port for smugglers, rogue traders, and adventurers traveling between the frontier and uncharted space. The seedy underbelly of the galaxy serves as a convenient safe haven for those intent on avoiding the ever-expanding reach of the powerful First Order, and as a well-worn and familiar locale for many characters from the expansive Star Wars saga as a stepping-off point for epic adventures. And if you, like me, go to California and send a review of this if you'd like me to go to California and send a review of this podcast, you can donate at co-v.com slash multiverse. I promise to send anyone who contributes a souvenir of some kind. So please, pretty please, sugar on top. Let's look at the box office for Solo, a Star Wars story. It's now going into its third weekend since release in North America. Domestically, it's at $148,888,692. Internationally, this heist film has now earned $115,300,000 worldwide after a week of global release, bringing the total up to just over $254 million. Unlike other people, I'm not going to speculate that the lower-than-expected box office is a sign of Star Wars box office fatigue. However, it might be a good idea for Disney to space out those releases, the Star Wars film a bit, Star Wars films a bit more. Keep them at Christmas. Everyone likes to have a good long, long time ago at the holidays. Now, before I go, be sure to check on our social media, Twitter at Multiverse Tom, and on Facebook. And if you'd like to contribute some money, please do so at co-feed.com slash multiverse. If you're a subscriber, be sure to share us with your friends, and if you're brand new to the show, please sure to subscribe and leave us a comment and let us know how we're doing. Special thanks to Lobo Loco for our theme music and our outro music. And thanks for watching Multiverse tonight. We will be back in two weeks. Now please exit the universe in an orderly fashion. Good night. Multiverse Tonight is a production of Half-Baked Genre Productions. Copyright 2018. All rights reserved.